Therefore stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. Matthew 24, verse 42. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Heavenly Father, these are um, teachings full of uh, unknowns and mystery in your word. I pray that you would bless and anoint my words to be accurate and truthful and, and useful to your dear people gathered here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I want to begin by just a sort of a side comment, <laughs> strange way to begin, but um, it's really made an impression on me as we sort of have been approaching this year's Advent, that there's a number of features of Christian teaching that our portion of the church has so um, overemphasized and sort of convoluted, and I'm talking about second coming type teachings, that I think there's a general instinct I, find in, I have found in myself, and I wonder if perhaps it's in you as well, to then just sort of put it all aside. What I mean is like that whole sort of rapture culture that has surrounded like those books that were popular in the late 90s and like, actually beginning even earlier, like the 70s, like there's this whole idea of like this rapture and this tribulation and all these things, and it became so overwrought and actually not a good interpretation of the biblical data that I think seeing that, many Christians, myself included, sort of have shrunk away from that, even looking at what the biblical data does say about the second coming of our Lord and the things that really will precede it. Um, And so, for instance, it was a great surprise to me um, to learn that the church fathers, who are really just a great um, repository of what's, a, what's, what's the um, classical way of reading the scriptures? And often, really, what's the best way of reading the scriptures? Of synthesizing the complex of uh, biblical information. The church fathers are a great guide to that. They're not infallible, but they're a great guide. And every one of them speaks about, the, interprets the... Um, Jesus' teachings about his second coming and the things that are going to come before along these lines that there will definitely be the return of literal Elijah who never paid the debt of death, right? He was swept up into heaven and that his preaching will convert many, many Jewish people to the Christian faith. That every church father thought recognized Jesus' teachings and the witness of the Old Testament prophets, the prophecies yet to be fully fulfilled as meaning that and that you know, there really would be, um, and this I think we already recognize, but sort of an increase in um, the tumult of nature, of seas and storms and earthquakes and famines. Um, but also that there would be literal strange signs, that the, the sun and moon darkening. How, do, how does that happen in terms of how would an astronomer describe what the effect? I, I don't know. Uh, but they all understood these things to be very literal. Um, and then that it will be on a very definite day, that this isn't just some sort of thing that we can spiritualize, that on some day, we don't know, God, Jesus tells us so many times, no one knows the day or the hour, but it is a definite day and hour, right, and a definite time, like if we, if we had the foreknowledge, we could mark it on a calendar, it's going to be on this day. And um, that right before the end, he says the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the heavens, which has anciently always been interpreted as a cross, that somehow there'll be this visible cross in the sky, so because of these things which the Lord said are going to be precursors to his coming again to judge the earth once and for all, um, I think that it's fair to say that the Lord will not be coming today, but it could be this year or next year, right? So there's a sense of it's very near. He, he describes his coming as at the very gates, but some of the things which he said will precurse his own coming 
have not yet been fulfilled. So we're still waiting for some of these signs. The, um, the fact that Jesus doesn't tell us what day it will be is not some accident of God's revelation. It's incredibly intentional so that we would always be cultivating a readiness for that day when it comes. And the metaphor that is used throughout the, um, when Jesus talks about it, uh, especially in this passage, um, is that of awakeness. Right? To be awake for when it comes. Um, the opposite of awake is, of course, asleep. And thanks be to God, none of you all are totally asleep. Right? I think asleep corresponds to a state of total spiritual darkness and blindness, like having not come into the Christian faith. That those who have not yet heard about Jesus and his death for us and his being raised from the dead for us and his promise to come again, they are, as it were, spiritually totally asleep. They're completely unaware of what is happening and what is going to happen. So none of you all are totally asleep. Um, but there's a sort of halfway route to asleep, right? Drowsy. And I think that's the thing that the scriptures would have us um, perk up to this morning. Actually, we were driving last night on I-65, and there's those wonderfully personal signs, sort of maybe like 30, 40 minutes north of Montgomery, that it's like, are you feeling drowsy? You're like, well, I, actually I am. <laughs> you know? I've never seen such personal road signs. I forget the exact phrasing, but something, are you feeling drowsy? Consider taking a small break or something. But drowsiness, spiritual drowsiness, I think, is what um, we, this Advent, should perhaps, no, not perhaps, um, should give our attention to. Um, so when we think about drowsiness as a spiritual metaphor, uh, a drowsy person is doing, really doing two things in drowsiness. Um, and this was not me at the road because Carrie was driving last night. <laughs> and she's a much better driver than me. Um, it's not paying attention, right, and not responding. That's the, 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 the symptoms of drowsiness. So mapping that on spiritually. Not paying attention, spiritual drowsiness means not paying attention to your own actions, just going through a day and head-hitting the pillow and not paying attention. Wait, did I follow the directions of the Lord today or didn't I? Right? Just completely being, you know, un, un, having your day be unknown to yourself. I think it also means not paying attention to the promptings of the Spirit. The inner sort of, uh, and for me the great temptation is, is haste and a sort of inner mental like busyness. But it could also be distraction. It could be um, a sort of glut of entertainment. An all number of things could lead us to um, have so much volume kind of in our mental ear that we're not able to hear the Holy Spirit suggestions of, oh, you should text that person. Oh, you should, you should hold your tongue and not say that unkind word. Right? Those promptings, the Holy Spirit to guide us into the life of Christ. Also not paying attention to his word. Right? To, have, to let a day pass without opening his eternal word that he's given us to be nourished by. I'm talking of the scriptures. And I think, too, not paying attention to our past. Um, in thinking about this, the, you know, Advent 1 this Sunday puts before us the picture of, really all of Advent, of the great judgment at the end of the age, when this generation will finally, um, meaning this era, this era of the church, this era of grace and the covenant of Christ's blood, will come to a close in the final era to be inaugurated when Christ comes again to judge, that every aspect of our lives will be brought before his judgment seat. In, a, in their particulars, including all of our past. Um, so drowsiness is not paying attention, but also not responding. And if it's intuitive, having named those things, what um, the sort of uh, right response would be. But to be drowsy, to be not respond with repentance, 
right? When the, if something comes back to mind from the past, to just say, oh, I just don't want to think about that. It was, it was bad decisions. You know, mistakes were made. But say, ah, oh, no, Lord, I'm, I'm sorry about that. I really am. I continue to, I'm sorry that I grieved you. I'm sorry that I hurt your creatures. Repentance. And not responding with obedience, right? Think of the driving drowsy, right? It's to, to not respond with, oh no, there's the edge of the road, but to correct towards obeying Christ and his commands. So in the opposite of drowsiness being sort of full awakeness, um, you can kind of intuit the painting of this in the positive, but to think spiritual awakeness, I think, means sort of having a very acute sense that everything that we've ever thought, said, or done will be called to account on Judgment Day. So it's not the judgment of God. It says over and over again in the Scriptures, and we'll give account for every, everything that has been, all, every work that has been done. Every word, it says in Matthew 12, every thought. So, um, Advent brings to mind the fact that we, while we live in the knowledge of the mercy of God as shown to us in Jesus Christ, there is a parallel truth that Judgment Day is still awful, full of awe, and, and we're still waiting the judge's final judgment over our lives after having brought every particular of our lives. Revelation uses the image of a book being read, of every thought, every word, every deed brought before God. And to think about, I think spiritual awakeness is the sharpening of the sense of what will that be like to have our entire life laid bare before the eyes of Almighty God, who is so holy and so pure, and we who are presenting our lives full of impurity and unholiness and pleading for his mercy and asking for his merciful judgment. I think one of the marks of the saints as I read their biographies and their writings is that that sense through the course of a Christian life only dials up. That it never is the case of like, well, now that I've been a Christian 20 years, now I'm pretty chill about Judgment Day. No, Judgment Day increases the sense of how, how much it looms large over our own daily life, and, th- and therefore how that augments our own carriage of our life through the day, that we don't just fly through the day and head on the pillow and it's done. But think, oh, I'm going to be giving to God account for this hour, for this conversation, for this relationship. All will be called to account. So what we see is that, I think what, and here's, you know, one of the things I think as we kind of go through each church year cycle, which begins every year, right, as with Advent kind of kicks us off, you know, thinking about this relationship between Advent and Lent, and it kind of ripens each year. One of the things that's really dawned on me this year is that Lent is all about just full-bore repentance. Advent is about one of the things that's a precondition to repentance, which is awakeness. To know what things are in your life and in your day and in your past that you need to repent for. That if we cultivate habits of awakeness, spiritual awakeness, we then, by the grace of God's Holy Spirit within us, will then cultivate habits of repentance towards the Lord. Do you see how those things relate together? Awakeness, repentance, Advent, Lent. So, um, as with every uh, Christian season, which has a sort of like these layers of like cultural accoutrement, I encourage you to um, ask for, ask God for, an increase of spiritual awakeness this Advent. 
that it's not just about candles and chocolates behind little cardboard doors. As fun as those things are, I'm not against them. I like them. But the real goal is awakeness. And so to that end, um, I've forgotten until this event. Remember last year when the scripture said, uh, stand up because your judgment is drawing near. And I suggested as like a sort of Advent reminder practice to try and practice like standing up straight and to have that sort of physical gesture remind you of the Lord's coming. Do you remember that at all? Um, oh, good. I see some nods. Um, so what I want to encourage you um, f- towards this Advent, you know, in Lent we have these sort of, uh, sort of classical standards of fasting. Um, Advent is, you know, it, again, it has this relationship to Lent. It's preparatory to Christmas the way Lent is preparatory to Easter. It's not the same in terms of fasting, although if you'd like to, of course, every Christian is free to fast. Um, but what I, what I want to practice this Advent, and I invite you to kind of join me in it, is to build in a few more, to build in uh, practices of physical awakeness to sort of help teach spiritual awakeness. And the ancient word for this was vigil. Right? The word vigil means awake. Um, and so you, this could be done late at night, like maybe sort of just before bed, like extending you know, your bedtime hour just by an additional 10 or 15 minutes. It could be in the middle of the night, if you're one of those who kind of wakes up in the middle of the night each night to get up for 10 minutes. Or it could be ahead of the morning, you know, in the sort of pre-dawn, um, 10 or 15 minutes. But to take an additional window of awakeness and make a prayer vigil of it. And to use, as always, the great tool for vigil is the Psalms. Don't worry about which one. Any psalm. All of the psalms have their final fulfillment in the second coming of Christ. But to in that 10 minutes or 15 minutes, to set the remembrance of Christ's coming again from heaven to judge the earth as the thing to think about, to use the psalms as a way of sort of focusing your mind and your heart on that forthcoming reality, um, and to pray for the gift of deeper awakeness uh, to our own uh, spiritual state. So that's something I'm going to try and practice this Advent. I invite you to join, me, join, join in with it. Um, I'm going to sort of uh, email out this week a couple other like prayer resources that you could use in that time. A few prayers I found along the way, which some saints of old had written to be prayed in the middle of the night, in the sort of moment of wakefulness, the remembrance of the second coming. Uh, I invite you to use that. But, but it's, not, it's not about like doing all the same fixed thing. The point is awareness of Christ's coming, awakeness to our real spiritual state. May God uh, give us the increase of these things. Amen.